Gratitude isn't just some vague spiritual concept that only works if you believe it does. There's actual science behind practicing thankfulness. With it being Thanksgiving week, we can actually experience some scientific reality. But can we really? What about people or political parties and others who we don't like or agree with? Can we be thankful for them too? It's tough, but it's also possible. Let's find out how on today's A Critical Faith Podcast with Pastor Sue Collar from First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. The letter of 1 Timothy comes from what is called the Pastoral Epistles, which are 1 and 2 Timothy and Titus. And they are generally ascribed to the Apostle Paul, letters that he wrote to individuals in the early church. But most scholars look at these letters and say it doesn't quite fit Paul's style or language. So we don't think Paul actually wrote them, although we could be wrong. It's one of those things, we weren't there when it all happened. But we do see these as incredibly important letters, though, regardless of who wrote them. They were written in those early years of the church when the church was still trying to figure out what it was and how it was going to operate. So there is advice in these letters to those early leaders as they try to find their way. First Timothy is about church administration. It also warns about false teachers, and it has a strong moral compass, especially when it comes to those seeking to make a profit from religion. It also has something to say, though, about giving thanks. It ties thanks not to simple gratitude for the blessings we've received, but to God greater's intent for the world. So let's listen to what the Spirit has to say to us today from 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings should be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. This is right and is acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, there is also one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus, himself human, who gave himself a ransom for all. This was attested at the right time. For this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Thanksgiving. Aren't you just ready for something simple? You know, the gathering of family and friends around the table, enjoying each other's company, maybe even without masks, who knows? And yes, I know that not all family Thanksgivings are without drama and stress, but there's that idea of Thanksgiving that invites us to pause, to take a deep breath, to be grateful, and just be. One of our families this week said goodbye to the matriarch of the family. So we certainly remember all families, them as well, who will have an empty seat around the table. Thanksgiving is a tender time to remember our loved ones who have died. Or as one of our brothers in Brazil would say, been promoted to glory. Ironically, this comment was made in regards to someone this particular person didn't exactly get along with. Which reminds us that we can be thankful that God's grace is greater than our flaws, our sins, and even greater than our judgments. Today's scripture, though, is anything but simple. 
One of the scriptures for Thanksgiving Day is our lectionary. Our lectionary is that series of uh, readings that scholars have put together so that we get full scope of the Bible over the course of three years. Well, one of the, the readings for Thanksgiving Day is the one we just heard from 1 Timothy. And let's get straight to the point. I have no problem with the first half of the first verse. The author of the letter says, and we'll just call him Paul for the sake of how he identifies himself. Paul says, I urge that supplications, prayers, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. But then he just has to go on and tell us who is included in everyone. Kings and all who are in high positions. Of course, we don't have kings here, so if Paul were writing to us today, he would have said, presidents, senators, representatives, governors, and mayors. You know, it's Thanksgiving, as I was working on today and getting ready for this sermon, I thought, you know, how hard can a Thanksgiving sermon be? I mean, I thought I was going to be picking a simple softball scripture for today, and I think I made a mistake. Whatever happened to the family sitting around the table and going around saying what they're thankful for? Family, friends, church, meaningful work. I have spent Thanksgiving over the years around a lot of different family tables, and I don't recall any ever giving thanks for our political leaders. How many of you who voted for President Trump have given thanks for President Biden? Or those who voted for Biden given thanks for President Trump? You see the challenge, and yet it's in the Bible. I mean, even myself, on, on the one hand, I can give thanks because that's a job I would never want. And I am so glad that uh, there are those who are willing to put themselves out there to be leaders and take all the flack that comes with it. But I have to admit, that's about as far as I can go with some leaders. And yet, I mean, what's my excuse? I can't help but remember that in those early days of the church, the civic and Roman rulers were not exactly sympathetic to the church. And the last quarter of the first century, Christians often worshipped in secret for fear that their family or friends would turn them in. Not so much for being Christian, but for not worshipping the emperor. The um, penalty for being caught imprisonment, loss of income and standing, even death. Any of that could be the result. And of course, still fresh in their memories would have been Nero blaming Christians for the burning of Rome and turning the populace against them. And yet Paul says, pray for them, give thanks for those who govern. I really wrestled with this because to be honest, even after my research and a lot of prayer over this sermon, I'm not sure I can fully give thanks for all leaders, but I think I see what, God, uh, what Paul is getting at here. We are called not to withdraw from the world, not to disappear or go into hiding when we don't like what's going on. We're actually called to be full participants in the world in which we live, even if that world seems out of sync with us or out to get us. And why? Well, because God desires that all people be saved. And if God's concern is so expansive that it covers everyone, then that puts a responsibility on us as followers of Christ to be an example, to be a living witness to God's love in the world, for the world, and for all the world. Which means we can't just withdraw. We can't just run away. We can't just check out. Just as Jesus was born into the messiness and sin of our world, that's where we are called to be too. As one of the commentators I read uh, said, all points out that this young Christian movement was not an anarchist revolution. Rather, it was to be a positive force in and for society. 
We're to be that good Samaritan who stops and helps when everyone else walks away. We are to love our enemies even when popular sentiment says we should be destroying them. We are to go above and beyond in caring for others even when the world says, let them worry about themselves. They have to be responsible for themselves. We are to forgive others even when it's hard or even to pay our taxes. We are called to rise above the hate, rise above that self-destructive behavior that seems to be the way of the world because we are called to love the world that Jesus died for and everyone in it. Remember that all is expansive. There are no exceptions. In fact, Paul singles out those in power as especially deserving or needing our prayers and our gratitude. There's an assumption here that leaders are actually good for society, and ideally they are. I mean, even the 16th century reformer John Calvin said that when the leader is unjust, pray to God to make bad men good, because without strong leaders, he says, what will be the condition of human life? Only a desperate anarchy prone to fanaticism. I think some of what Paul was saying also related to the reality of life in those early days of the church. I mean, if Christians were going to stir up trouble, they would be at odds with the empire and they would not have peace in their lives. There might actually be a little bit of self-preservation in Paul's words by praying for and giving thanks for the leaders, by not stirring up trouble. They lend to peace for themselves as well. It's also an example they give to the rest of the world of the world God desires for all people. God desires us to be in a world where all live in peace and justice. Remember in the Jewish tradition, and really this, this is actually our tradition too, salvation was lived at and experienced in this life. It wasn't just about what happens after we die. Let us live now by the values of that world. Let us right now put aside anger and hatred. Let us right now seek the good of all people. Let us seek peace together. Now hold that loosely though, because we are very much aware that there is injustice in the world and that in seeking to keep things peaceful for one group, that often means another group is silenced. All we have to do is look at the events of this weekend and the verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. Now, regardless of your opinions about the trial and the verdict, it highlights once again that, that vast chasm between the white experience and the black experience in our country. So we must be careful in seeking peace that we aren't silencing those with real concerns about justice. In that sense, I wonder if Paul is actually holding up a mirror to the world in which he lives and in doing so, putting leaders on notice that they are indeed accountable for the health and well-being of all in society. And perhaps that gives us some insight into Paul's admonition to pray for and give thanks for those in powerful positions because they have the greatest possibility to foster true peace and justice for all. So let's encourage them, let's support them in doing what reflects God's expansive grace and concern for all people. Maybe that's what it means to give thanks for those in power. Maybe giving thanks isn't just a sentimental thought that's shared around a dinner table once a year. Maybe it's an action, just like love is an action. For in giving thanks, even for those we didn't vote for, 
We have to look beyond the stereotypes. We have to look beyond our hatred. We have to look beyond our judgments and our righteous indignation to look at others with the same love that God does. We have to look deeper than the paintbrush we have used to color others with and see the purity of God's love for them, no matter how deeply it may be buried. To look at people that way allows us, helps us to see no one is 100% evil or bad. Even the worst among us has something buried deep within us that can be loved, even if it's just the possibility of what can be if we were healed. What then if we began to act as if we were grateful for that possibility? What if we began to treat with respect those we have looked down on? Forget about whether or not they have earned respect. What if we treated them with respect anyway? Because God desires that they too be saved, that they too come to know the incredible depth of God's love for them and be transformed by it. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that this will magically make everyone justice-oriented and loving and kind and humble. But isn't it worth it to show the world an alternative and to be God's ambassadors in this sinful and messy world? I guess part of it is if we want the world to be different, we have to be different. But it's also a part of walking in Christ's footsteps and living the new life of the resurrection right now that embodies God's hopes for the world. Maybe giving thanks mean that we join in the work of peacemaking and establishing justice and embodying compassion. This last week, I met with representatives of the DART organization. It's a nationwide uh, community organizing organization that organizes people for justice and work in their local communities, starting at the grassroots level. I've been invited to be part of the organizing committee to see if we can get something going here in Lincoln. I'm excited to be a part of that because while I am grateful for for all those who are working to better the lives of all people in Lincoln, the next step beyond gratitude is action. And I've been feeling the call to take action for a while. I just hadn't found the path that, that matched the nudges that I was feeling until now. But for me, I think that's the core of thankfulness. Being thankful for those seeking to make a difference is just the first step. What do we do with that thankfulness? What do we do with that gratitude? Where does it lead us? How does it transform us? Because when we start embodying thankfulness for all in our lives, it can't help but change us. And I hope those around us, when they see and experience the fruits of gratitude in our lives. Now, this still leaves me struggling with being thankful for those that I frankly don't respect. I will confess to being very human when it comes to that. But I've come to realize that again, like love, being thankful is a choice, not a feeling. It's an attitude with which to approach life, regardless of the actions and behaviors of anyone else. And when we embrace that choice, it changes how we live and how we see and experience others until we become more and more like Christ and bear fruit in our lives, which bears fruit in the lives of others. Thank you for listening to today's The Critical Faith Podcast from First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. A community and a place where all are loved, where you can ask as many questions as you want. Diversity is welcome and your faith will be nurtured. Join us again next week and every week for another edition of A Critical Faith Podcast from First Presbyterian Church in Lincoln, Nebraska.